other than the first day after the act of sale, I didn't want to go to that old house. I was almost paralyzed in what I would find. And so therefore, I made every excuse I could to just stay in my living room, not wanting to go to that place or anywhere else. What had I just done? What would happen? And sometimes not knowing something is scarier than actually what it is. Hi, I'm Jill Mercer. This is the Small Business Collection. I can be reached at the Small Business Collection at yahoo.com. Today, I am continuing a series that I started called the Haunted Business Collection, if you want to call it. And it talks about being able to get through and continue a business no matter what happens. And in my case, it was not only immersing myself in business in the city of New Orleans, which is one of the most haunted cities in the world. I then went and bought my own place, my own house that I would turn into a venue that turned out to have its own spirits. On the third day that we had the old house near the river, my husband and next door neighbor decided to take a ride out. At the time, there were no lights in the trees or lights that would come on as you rode down the path. It was just a dark path. But there were two lights on the front porch of that old house and we would turn those on at night. And there were four old rocking chairs on the front porch. So my husband wanted to show our next door neighbor the old house that we had just bought and see what he thought of it. And he still tells this story to this day of how when they turned the corner and rode down the old path to the house, he looked at the front porch and it was peaceful and quiet. And as he looked, stared, did not turn away, one of the rocking chairs on the front porch started to rock. Just then, he said to my husband, do you see this? The rocking chair is rocking. There's nobody there. There were no cats that had jumped off. There was no wind. It was August. There was nothing. The rocking chair was rocking on its own. And that is his first memory of that old house. The reason he was going out there was he was a painter and we were asking him to give us an estimate on painting the inside and the outside of the house. We felt like it needed a fresh look to it. And so he was going out that night to give us an estimate. Well, on that night, he wouldn't even go in. 
which you can't blame him. But he did finally, during the day, he would never stay after, after it got dark, he did finally come out and was our initial first person to help us get the old house ready to be a venue that we had no idea how to run. Finally, after about a week, I decided I need to go out there. I need to face this. At that point, my son Joey, who had had another job, had called and said he was leaving the other job. He'd only worked there a couple of weeks and asked if I had some work for him. Well, of course we did. There was so much to do. And he laughed at me about talking about haunting and all this other stuff, and he wasn't scared at all. But on that first day when I walked in, I wouldn't walk in by myself. I had him right next to me as well as my husband, and we all walked through together. And this went on for a couple of days where I would not be left alone in any of the rooms. It was almost as if someone was staring at me. Well, I felt like my husband who is the kindest man in the world. It was one of the only times in my life that I felt like he was almost upset with me, mad at me. Like you've just put us, you've convinced me to help put us in all of this debt and we need to get this place however we need to get it or you need to design and deliver flowers for the rest of your life to pay the mortgage, which I did, by the way, for the first three years that we owned the business. And so there came a point where I had to go in those rooms by myself because I was on the paint crew and I was painting. And there was this old fireplace in a room where eventually we would put the wedding cakes right in front of. And I was painting the mantle to that. And I said out loud to the house, I am here for peace. I don't, you don't know who I am. But I am here for peace. I am going to open those doors. The light is going to come through. And I'm going to bring laughter into this house. I don't want anything bad to happen to me or to my children or to my husband or to any of the guests that come through here. I am a kind person. I am a loving person. I can feel you. And I am asking you to let me do the work that I need to do here and let me open these doors and bring happy faces through here. So whoever the spirits are who are happy, who want to hang out, I'm fine with that. Everybody else, be gone, be gone. Go into the light. God's waiting for you. And at that very moment, there was this whoosh. It came into my ear. It was as if something blew into my ear. I was so scared that I ran out the house. But when I came back in, felt a little different. Okay. So I opened all the windows, opened the curtains to the windows. For goodness sakes, we're in Louisiana. We can rarely open the windows. And it started to let light come in. And we painted all the walls a very light color. And each day it seemed a little bit 
more peaceful. However, soon the neighbors came and they would drive up. It was a horseshoe driveway and they would drive right up, come right in as if the house was theirs to tell stories about how they've seen ghosts circling the outside of the house at night, how they've seen lights flicker. And I said, well, that's not going to happen anymore because I've asked everybody, all the spirits here to just behave. Let me do my work. I'm not here to hurt anybody. So of course at that point, they're looking at me like I'm nuts, which I'm not. I'm just instinctive. I can just feel them, not my fault. You may be the same way, or you may have denied that you're that way, but everybody's got a little bit. So it got to the point where they knew or talked about, hey, she's not going to listen to all any of this. Just let her find out for herself. And it was going to be whatever it was going to be. My family was in debt. I didn't want to lose our home. I would have to make this work. There is a lot of energy that is passed through a home that is 200 plus years old, a lot of energy. And to deny that there would be spirits there would be ridiculous. Of course there were. It didn't take us long to realize in those first few months that the pictures that hung on the wall every morning would be crooked. My son and I would go in And believe me, every single day, there was something that had gone wrong during the night. But the one consistent thing that would happen would be the pictures on the wall. So sometimes, after we've straightened them right before we left, they would hang slightly to the right. And then other times, after we straightened them before we left, they would hang straight slightly to the left. But every day we would straighten them. Until after about a year, we stopped straightening the pictures. And I remember because a guest, at that point, we had had a small event and a guest commented on how the pictures were crooked. Thank you for letting us know. We appreciate it. We'll fix that. We appreciate your help. Because at that point, I didn't want to say, well, that's how they are. You could argue that the house was not level, but to see them one day being one way and one day being the other, I think we had some jokesters. When people started to take pictures with their regular cameras, So this was before cell phones had cameras in them. So they were the old time, just regular cameras, and people would come to events and take pictures. The pictures would sometimes come back and they'd bring them back to show us where there were swarms of orbs above the dance floor. As if they were there dancing with the guest. 
the energy became a positive one. That was until one night. A one night that we would remember and was like the time we went to the Montelion, Joey and I, and went to the 13th floor. That's how mysterious this was. One of the owners of this old house in the 1960s was a lady of the night who had a lot of girls that worked for her and she had always worked down in the French Quarter her entire career. And she came very close to getting arrested, but never did. She had some very high-end clients, you might say, people in political positions who would protect her. But at one point she decided to move on the outskirts of New Orleans because she had never been to jail before and she did not want to wind up in jail. So she had bought this same old house and the neighbors loved that story and I hated the story because they were glamorizing women being degraded. That's how I saw it. They were prostitutes living in that house and they had all these gentlemen coming to that house. And I never felt good about selling to a client, yes, please book your wedding at my haunted whorehouse. I just didn't want to do it. But I came right smack dab, right in the middle of it, and would learn that this is one of the spirits that I had to respect in the house. So one day we were trying to set the phone up and in the old house and realized that when a guest would call, when a, a potential client would call, it was always static on the phone. And we called the phone company, they came out, they tested it, they said there's no static on the phone. But we soon realized that we could not use the phone line in the house and we would have to transfer the calls to a separate cell phone. So when someone called the old house to see it, to book an event, the phone would ring to my cell phone. So a couple of years into us owning this business, we were home, it was on a Sunday, and we didn't have an event because quite frankly, we really didn't have a lot of events until the fourth or fifth year there. And we were home and around four o'clock the phone rang. And we don't normally answer, it's a Sunday. We're trying to relax from our Friday and Saturday events. But it rang a second time. 
And when it rang a second time, I decided to see who needed to speak with me so urgently. There was a lady on the other line, and her words were, this is 911. Miss, the police are at the front door. Please open the front door. Are you alone in the house? She continued. I was confused. I responded, I think you have the wrong number. This is my work phone. The operator continued, is this, and she said the phone number to the old house and the address. I said, yes. Miss, please open the door for the police. We're begging you. We want to help you. We received your call for help, but you hung up. Please answer. Please come to the door. Is someone hurting you? My heart was racing, and I responded as calmly as I could. No one is in the house. This phone rings to my cell phone. Only one phone is connected in the house, and it's hidden under the stairs, under stacks of paper. No one would know this phone is even there. The house is over 200 years old. Maybe some of the phone lines got crossed. And this call was for another home. No, no, she responded. I checked three times. It's from this house. The police are looking in the windows and don't see anything or anyone. Okay, okay, okay. We'll call the neighbors out there and my husband will come out to make sure that no one is inside. Thanks, she whispered. At that point, Joey took the phone and he made the trip out to the old house to speak to the police. It took about 20 minutes to get there. Nothing was found, and the only phone in the house was still hidden under the papers, still untouched. Joey came home around 7, and we both chalked it up to a mistake on the part of the 911 operator. We were already in bed at 11 o'clock that night. And the phone started to ring again. And again, it was 911. Lady, please open the door. The police are knocking on the door to help you. And we went through the whole story again. Joey got out of bed and went out to the old house once again, and everything checked out. We promised the police that the first thing in the morning, we would call the phone company to fix the lines. And everyone involved really wanted to believe that the phone lines were the problem. We all wanted to believe This was faulty wiring. However, that second phone call really had me shaken and scared. The next day, I was in my living room, folding some clothes, still confused by the happenings of the evening before. 
My husband was happy to shake it off his phone trouble. However, I knew differently. My mind raced as I tried to figure out what or who this could have been. Then I realized the date. It was October 25th, making the day before the 24th. I thought, wasn't that the date on the plaque outside in the courtyard? You see, this fountain at the old house was dedicated to the madam when the day she was released from prison. Because when she moved out to the country, this parish wasn't playing around. They shut her down pretty quickly and she went to jail. She never wanted to go back to jail and her young husband had built it for her while she was in prison. I knew there was a connection. I drove out to the old house and after parking in the back of the building, I found the small silver plaque at the bottom of the fountain and it gave her name and the date of October 24th, 1963. Was it her who called 911? Why would she have been calling for help? My son was coming later that day to meet the phone company with me. To be honest, I was too afraid to go into the house. I sat with my young child on the front porch and waited for them to arrive. Soon, my son was there, as well as a man representing the phone company. He was pretty experienced, with about 20 years under his belt. However, when I told him the story and my theory of a party line, or another house using our phone number, he shook his head. Not possible, he said. Just not possible. I've been doing this for a very long time. I've never heard a story anywhere near what you have just told me. I'll check the lines out here, but I'm not going in there. The lines outside were fine. He assured us after working with them for a few minutes. He said the lines were clear and there shouldn't be any reason why we're not using the house phone. He didn't hear any static at all. He quickly left. My son and I had no choice. We had to go back in. As we entered in the old house, there was a peacefulness that radiated throughout it. It was not scary, and instead of fear, I felt calm. And all afternoon, I thought about that madam. After her brothel had been closed, she had opened a restaurant. She had a very young husband. 
She was 60, he was 18. And as she was walking home from her beloved restaurant that she was so proud of, because it was the first honest thing that she had ever done in her life, first honest business that she had ever done, two men approached her and threatened to cut off her fingers if she didn't give up her huge diamonds that she proudly wore. After giving them up, they ran away and physically she was unharmed. In the darkness, she yelled for help, but she wasn't heard. She rushed home and she fell into the arms of her husband, sobbing and inconsolable. Her place of refuge, her beautiful restaurant that she was so proud of and that she would never have to go to prison for because it was an honest business. Her place of joy suddenly became her place of fear and anguish. And after the incident, the restaurant would never be the same for her. And therefore, she sold it and moved soon after. At that point of remembering her, I went upstairs to recover the old pictures that had been left by the previous owners. And I stared at them for a while, trying to get a grasp on the events that had unfolded. And how did they pertain to me? Did she need me to hear her? She was obviously a spirit there. Were her unanswered calls for help in the dark field many years before, still creating lingering fear in the old home? Sadly, when she had moved to Bush, Louisiana with her young husband and settled there only to find her husband later on wanting to divorce her and marry another woman and her sadness escalating as she moved towards 70 years old Did she call out unheard before holding a gun to her head, committing suicide in the early 1970s? You see, many people had told us that she committed suicide in that house, but I knew that she had not. She was in Bush, Louisiana when that had happened but so much of what she was proud of remained in that house, in the walls of that house. And so much fear from her remained in that house, maybe even down to her last breaths, that perhaps she thought someone would listen and finally someone could hear it. And I felt that person was me. And at that moment, I knew I needed to tell her, it's fine, I got this. I know you'll always be around. I know you were a big part of this. 
and I placed her picture in a china cabinet, and it remained there until the last day that I owned that business because I knew her memory needed to be honored. I knew that the place would be peaceful and under control no matter what. If the spirits there, if they presented themselves as I felt she did that night, if they were reassured that they would be honored, remembered, and told, go into the light, I've got this handled. And from that moment on, our business, although I have many other instances, which I'll share at other times, our business grew, it flourished. See, sometimes a business isn't just about, I sell this, it's a good product, and I was nice to you. Sometimes a business involves so much more And it is about taking on those challenges head on, facing it, whether it's a rude customer or it's a scared spirit, and facing that challenge head on and dealing with it as I did in this case. And when I did, my success grew despite everything happening. This is a series called Haunted Business. I will be interrupting this series for just a little bit to talk about other stories that have happened, some of them at this old house, but not involving the spirits that live there. But I will be coming back to this after another few episodes, and I hope you will join me on all of my episodes on the Small Business Collection And I can be reached with your stories at the small business collection at yahoo.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your own stories. I would love to use them on these podcasts. I appreciate you listening. I hope that you are learning and growing with me. And I will talk to y'all next time. Thank you for listening.